Last week, I started talking about Jesus. Actually, I've started talking about Jesus a long time before that. But specifically, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, it speaks of one of the ways the Lord leads and provides for us. We think of him as the shepherd. We think of him as our comforter. He is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. But in this particular verse, it speaks of him as the captain of their salvation. If you served in the military, <laughs> You are listen when the captain gives an order. If you've been in any situation where you have been on the receiving end, you give a listen. You anticipate what ought to be. But when there's a doubt, a good captain will set the example and will answer the question. We read again, verse 10, Hebrews 2. For it became him, it was fitting to go to him. Somebody says, I'm going to ask the Sunday school teacher about that. I'm going to ask the preacher about that. I'm going to ask my buddy about that. I'm going to go to an expert for that. We tend to go trotting over here and trotting over there. Go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Why do we have him? For it became him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Now, actually, this is talking about what the Lord endured that he might be demonstrated, that he might be relied upon to do all that he is committed and pleased to do. He is the captain of our salvation. He's not the green recruit. He's not the 90-day wonder. He's not the paper shuffler that doesn't really get involved. He's not the one in the back barking out orders and saying, get out there. He's the one who leads the charge. He's the one who's already been through what you and I have to go through. He is the one who says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. We looked last week at the <coughs> soldierhood of the captain. How it is that he is committed to a great, a glorious cause. I reminded you of John Bunyan who wrote a book called The Holy War. The war to secure the city of man's soul. For you see, man's soul had a real problem. And there's a tremendous enemy, the Avalos. <coughs> Let me tell you, there is one who wants nothing but evil for you 
Nothing but destruction, shame, and disgrace. We call him the devil. He would turn and twist you every which way. But you have a friend. You have a fellow. You have the captain of your salvation. No one else qualifies. We talked about his qualifications and how it is that he is truly engaged in the heat of the battle. And so, when we think about other captains, some of them might get you through a battle. They might lead a campaign. They might accomplish something else. They might inspire you. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, he does what no other captain ever could and ever would. For he is the Savior. And I want to talk this morning about the Saviorhood of our captain. For you see, some think only about themselves and think about how somebody else is in a tight. Somebody else is having to pay a great price. You know, we have a day on the calendar we think about veterans, all those who have served. But we have another day, Memorial Day, for those who didn't just put in their time and expend some effort and energy, but those who paid the ultimate price. You've probably heard the saying, all gave some. Some gave all. That's what we talked about before. All gave some. Christ gave. But I want you to know, He didn't just give the minimum. We were talking in Sunday school about how it is that people say, well, I don't know if I can afford to tithe. You can't afford not to tithe. I don't know if I can afford to give one day in the week to the Lord. Really? He gave you six out of seven. Our minds are being held captive by the Lord. His word, His will, His way. Focused in that. Knowing that He is the one who knows better than we do. But it's not just the day to day. We say, oh, how I love Jesus. And we ought to. But it's not just a casual thing. It's not just for the day-to-day -day needs, which he takes care of. And I'm so thankful. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. I don't need Mr. Cheater to look at that one. Always think of a big benefit. But Jesus paid it all. Not just to set a good example, which he was. Not just to be a great teacher and preacher, which he was. But to actually go through the ultimate. Paul was telling us how that these young people show up in training. And they think, oh, I'm going to be this. But until they get through the crucible. They can't call themselves Marines. 
If you show up and say, no, nah, I'm not going to do this, you don't have the right to say, I, I was, I wasn't one. You have to go through the crucible. You get through that tight. You come under that pressure. You perform to a standard which has been set, not by you, not by mom and dad, but by a pretty strict group. They set the bar pretty high. They want it to mean something. That's why when you walk across and get a diploma, it should represent some work, some effort. Anytime you're recognized for something, well, thank the Lord, because not everybody has that. Not everybody has what it takes, and not everybody has the determination to follow through. Three things about the Lord I want you to think about this morning. First of all, He is the perfect replacement. Because you and I, we reminded in Sunday, see how Sunday school and special time, they, they kind of help set things up. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. We need to think along the lines of what we used to be. What would we be if we didn't have Jesus? There's a story told from ancient times, Damon and Pythias, about one man who, because he fell into condemnation, the king was going to have him executed, his friend stepped up to the plate and said, if you'll let me stay here in his place, I'll let him go back and say goodbye to his family. And the king said, well, what if he doesn't come back? But I'll die in his place. And the king taunted the man while his friend was off. But he did come back. And the king said, I wish there was somebody who would do that for me. I mean, there is one who has done for us. And his name is Jesus. He is the captain of our salvation. You see, it's not he who did anything wrong. It's not he who offended the God of heaven. Us. We were the enemies. We say, well, yeah, for my friend, like that story, David and Pythias. But how many of us would do this for our sworn enemy? If you knew that some scoundrel was about to be executed, if you knew that some traitor against our country some fiend, some monster had done something horrific. Even if they'd done it to your own flesh and blood. And you're thinking, they deserve justice. Well, the law says, whoso sheddeth man's blood. There is a debt. But what if you step forward and said, I'm going to take that person's place. I'll take the bullet for them. I'll jump on the grenade if I must. I think about others and their great need. Well, it's no exaggeration, but that's what our captain has done. Romans chapter 8. I don't know very many Christians that don't for the 8th of Romans. 
they may be selective in where they go. I like to chapter myself. Look at verses 5 through 8. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. That's what they think about. That's what they value. That's how they assess things in terms of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded, that's a dead end, folks. It's death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind, we talked about before we were saved. What did you think about? Why did you think about those things? What were your values? Messed up, wrong, evil, wicked. As it says, the days of Noah, it's still true today. Every imagination in the heart, only evil, continually. The carnal mind is enmity against God. You weren't neutral about God before the Lord saved you. Some people, ah, take him or leave him. In your heart of hearts, in my heart of hearts, despised God, opposed to God. I throw a, mon a monkey wrench in and foul the whole thing up. I don't want to see righteousness prevail. The carnal mind is enmity against God. Active hatred. For it is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can it be. If you have a cute little puppy and you love that puppy and pet that puppy, it's furry, it's cuddly, and man's best friend. If you have a little kitty and you pet that kitty and enjoy that kitty, but if you had a scorpion, anybody call scorpion man's best friend? I don't think so. I don't think you get too cuddly cuddly with a scorpion. There's some things that just don't lend themselves. I don't think of you as a, the Lord's cute little puppy or kitty. Before the Lord saves, you're more like a scorpion. I was more like a scorpion. What is that subject of law, but neither indeed can be. Mr. Scorpion, I just want you to roll over and play dead. Like the doggy can do. I want you to be warm and fuzzy and cute like my little kid. No! That's not in the scorpion's nature. You know what's in our nature? Not to be godly. Not to be selfless. Not to be oriented to righteousness. It is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. You can't force the scorpion to be cute. You can't do it. You can't force the sinner to be righteous. He didn't want to be. She didn't want to be. They don't think that way. There's nothing in it for them. Or they would say. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. We were condemned to death as enemies. But the captain of our salvation is the one who serves as the substitute. We were lost and undone. 
Nothing to stand for us. No one to stand for us but this one who steps up to the plate. Also in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 15. I want you to know that in the days of the Levitical priesthood, there were priests who every day would bring offerings and announce prayers and be involved in all that they had to do, their ministrations. But one man, on one day, each year, would go behind the veil. And when he go back behind the veil, he would bring offering for himself, for he himself was a sinner, and for the nation, and go to a large shaped box, if you will, the lid of which, the mercy seat, and he would sprinkle blood. Representative of the fact that some, as we esteem things, innocent creature. I don't know if that lamb that died had sinned, but I know the priest had sinned, the people had sinned, and on behalf of them, we have a high priest who didn't have to come according to the Aaronic priesthood. He didn't have to go into the earthly temple. He went to a greater temple. He provided a greater sacrifice. You see, it was his own blood that was shed. And he was the one who offered it. Hebrews 4.15 Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, just as the high priest in that time would pass through the veil. He passed into the heavens. He had a reason to go to heaven, and many reasons, but one of them, and for our purposes just here and now, he went so that he could do that which we needed so desperately. He's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. He knows our frame. We could not if we would, and we would not if we could. He did. He is the great one who takes the place. The replacement. Secondly, he is the divine deliverer. What were we in the army of Satan? We weren't generals. We weren't officers. We were privates. We were slaves. Slaves to sin, but taking our orders from Satan himself. We were in his lap. The devil has his children. I mentioned in literature, we think of a great work of Christian literature which first was introduced to the world in English because of John Bunyan, the Holy War. But 
many years later, there was another Englishman, Robert Louis Stevenson, and he wrote a story called Treasure Island. Y'all remember Treasure Island? Treasure Island, uh, Flint's treasure is off on some island someplace, and somebody's got the map. And so some sophisticates find, well, we can get us a ship and get us a crew, and we can sail to that island and get that treasure. And they had a man, Captain Smollett, to leave the ship. And they had a crew gathered by Long John Silver. And Long John professed to be a cook. He could cut those carrots and cut that meat and cook everything up and serve. And he knew a bunch of other seaworthy fellows who would go along. And so some of the crew looked pretty sharp. And some of them not so sharp. And they seemed to show their loyalty was not so much to Captain Smollett, but to this Long John Silver. In fact, one of them slips as they're sailing to Treasure Island. He refers to Captain Silver. And somebody, Captain Silver? He's just a cook. How can he be your captain? But there are those who would be a captain. Satan would be the captain to lead us in the wrong way, to do the wrong thing, to have the wrong mind, the wrong perspective. Grace and truth bound up in Christ. Jesus said, in the 8th of John, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But you see, some don't care for the truth. They don't know that they are under condemnation. I hope you haven't forgotten where that 8th chapter of Romans is. Because I want to take you back there once more. For you see, Romans 8 ends in a glorious way. Nothing is able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. But it opens in a wondrous way too. Verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation. You may have a very checkered past. You may have all sorts of things you're ashamed of. One guy said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to get my family tree searched out. And he had it all looked up and then he had it hushed up because he was careful about what might fall out of that family tree. He didn't want people to know that he was kin to scoundrels, scalawags, stinkers. Yes, you and I, sinners before God. You and I, guilty as charged. You can't make heaven because you can be good now. Even if you could be good on your own now, you've been bad a long time. But you still have the wrong mind, the wrong heart, the wrong direction in the old way. Paul said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. And 
Man, I'm not. No! Of whom I am chief! The person that won't admit they were ever lost, I wonder if they've ever been saved. We have to know that He's taken us from darkness to light, from death to light. There is therefore now no condemnation. You know what the devil will do? You call yourself a Christian. I remember when you told some lies. I remember when you did some stuff you should be ashamed of. You said some things that are disgusting. You had the wrong attitude. You were going in the wrong direction. You ran in the wrong crowd. You, you phony, phony, phony. <coughs> and if I did it in my own, I have to say, the devil's right. Who am I fooling? I don't fool God. <coughs> but the Lord makes us new. The captain of our salvation doesn't just put himself in as our replacement, but he has delivered us. You know why Joseph was told to give this son a particular name? The angel didn't say, Now, Joseph, uh, Mary's about to give birth to a fellow. Just name him whatever you want to call him Alphonse or Bob or Bill or Steve or Jim or whatever. Just whatever you feel like. No. Joseph didn't get a choice. You call his name Jesus. That's how we say it. It probably sounded like something like Yesu, which goes back to Yahshua, which goes back to Yahashua, which is the Hebrew for deliverer, because the great deliverer of the Hebrews to get into the promised land was not Moses, he led them up to a point, but it was Joshua. And our greater Joshua, our greater deliverer, you know why you're going to call him Jesus? Not because he's going to get you a big bag of money. Not because he's going to help you to get over some inconvenience or settle your mind and give you peace. No, far greater than He shall save his people. You couldn't save yourself. Neither could I. No church. This would include it. We talk about baptism. People are like, well, I won't get to heaven because I was baptized. Like the man said, you could be baptized down the creek so many times, the frogs coming on a first-day basis. That won't save you. You say, I'm going to quit my means. Well, by all means, try, but the, that's not going to cut it. That's not going to cut it. You need a radical transformation. You need to be delivered. You need your debt to be taken care of. And the only one who can, and the only one who does save sinners, is Jesus Christ. The only one who saves us is Jesus Christ. I hope we have a house full of people today who know the only one who ever can, ever will, save us from our sin is Jesus Christ. We're not talking about an angel. 
We're not talking about an apostle. We're not talking about an antediluvian. We're talking about the only begotten Son of God. A preacher's job is to preach Christ <coughs> and Him crucified. There are a lot of ways to talk about Christ because I'm just focusing on one this morning. We've been cleared from Satan's forces, taken out of condemnation. The debt has been paid. The penalty has been taken care of. And you say, look what he did! And that's great! Think of what he's doing right now! And that's great! But I want you to know, he who did and is doing will continue. He is also the great keeper. In the 37th division of the book we call the Psalms, better known as Psalm 37, verse 28, it says, The Lord loveth judgment, that means justice, and forsaketh not his saints. You might know somebody used to be your best buddy, and they don't return your calls anymore. For whatever reason, you might know somebody who has distanced themselves. You might know some people who say, hey, talk to the hand. I don't want to have anything to do with you. There might be somebody that, for whatever reason, they, they made a break. That's not the Lord. That's not how He does His people. Forsaketh not His saints. They are preserved for the next 10 minutes or longer than that. Maybe till the sun goes down? No. They are preserved forever. We look at the news. We hear about this, that, the other. I'll tell you what. If, if there were some Martians and they came to this planet, they might have, these humans are interesting characters. Summertime, oh, it's hot. Oh, 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 we're going to burn our crisp. We're going to wind up like bacon strips. Well done. And then I heard on the news, people on the East Coast having some of the worst storm. It's like, it's a blizzard. It's a new ice age. Make up your mind, people. As long as there's something to get our eyes off the Lord, as long as there's something to cause us to be quivering and shivering on the inside. Folks, we have a mighty conqueror. We have a great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. <coughs> what do we have to worry about? Somebody said, I'll tell you what, there's just so much to worry about. And sometimes I wish... I can find out more so I can be worried some more. What good is that going to do? What does anxiety do but cause you to panic? Cause you to lose hope? But we've been preserved forever. Colossians 3, 3 tells us we are hid with Christ in God. That's the kind of captain we have. He's got us by his side. He's got our care, our well-being, 
That is his objective. That is what he is committed to do. His mission is to do whatever it takes, wherever it breaks. There was a news station that used that when we lived in Colorado. They'd say, whatever it takes, whatever, whatever, whoever. Well, talk is cheap, but Jesus Christ doesn't just talk the talk. He walks the walk. He is there for us. When you're sleeping, he's still awake. He that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. You're not catching this captain a napping. I have a captain who would nap. He will remain nameless. I'll give you a hint, though. He's the guy who would remind me, I'll tell you what I want to tell you. Because I'm the captain. Yeah. That's not Jesus. I want you to know there's nothing that can, there's nothing that will separate us from the love of God. Now, third time's a charm, folks. In the 8th of Romans, we talked about the first. We talked about something toward the middle. Well, let's think about the end, because what kind of work does our captain do? He follows through what he began. He will continue, he will conclude, and he will be victorious. Like the man used to say, no doubt about it. Romans 8. Paul's writing to the Romans. The people who lived in Rome, they were the capital of the greatest empire that ruled more people, more land, for more time than any other empire in human history. If anybody would have felt dominated under the thumb, it was the people in Rome. They're not getting away with anything, humanly speaking. But we have someone greater. Start with verse 37. Paul says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Rome! We're the conquerors! Look, look what we did! Man, we're something! We whooped these folks, we whooped those folks! We whooped everybody! We're the king of the hill. We're the, the great power. People fear when they hear that Rome is coming in. <coughs> and just to inspire fear, we'll crucify somebody. You just use I don't think people use the word crucifixion casually. No. An excruciating pain. I wonder how many had nightmares for the rest of their lives when they saw their friend or their family member displayed on that torture stake, bleeding out, suffering such pain, such agony, and none to come to comfort or to stop. That's what Rome meant to a lot of people. The iron fist that put you down and kept you down and you had to comply or die. No other option. But in all these things, Paul tells the Romans, you are more, we are more than conquerors. Huh, because we're smart, we're strong, we're spiritual. No, through Christ that loved us. For I'm betrayed to neither death nor life. 
nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature. creature. You think, like we were reminded this morning, when should you praise God? Well, any day ends in a Y. That's a day to praise God. Amen. Who should praise God? Let everything that has breath. You want to stop praising God? Well, stop breathing first. <laughs> Tell me how that works out. Nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's not because we're so wonderful. It's because we have a wonderful Savior. His name, one of His names is Wonderful. The one who accomplishes what we can only imagine. And sometimes we can't even do that. And I want you to know this salvation is an effectual salvation. Some people call it eternal life and think, yeah, but you can lose it in the next five minutes. If you don't do such and such, if you don't dot all your I's and cross all your T's, if you're not just good enough. Well, Romans 11 tells us that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. I don't think that means you won't have second thoughts. I'm satisfied it means God is not going to take it back. You know, sometimes people say a thing and then they kind of fishtail. Now, I don't recommend this. And especially in this part of the country. We were in a conference in Oklahoma City. Paul Brown was pastoring there at Sherwood. And we had a preacher who came from the north. You gotta love these people from the north. <coughs> and uh, here he was talking about the Lord, and that's a good thing. And how the Lord is good. And he says, Let me tell you what, folks, when the Lord says a thing, it's good. And you can take it to the bank. And it's, if it just hushed right there, that would have been great. But you know, us humans, we just have to say something. Sometimes it's not the right thing, the smart thing to say. And they got that up there and said, our God is not an Indian gift. And I'm only 16 Cherokee, so we have a lot more. Cherokee, Choctaw, some of you both, don't you? But you know what? Even I, with my 16th Cherokee and most of the rest of me and Irish mix, even I knew it might not be too smart to use the term Indian giver in Oklahoma City. I'm sure he meant well. Sometimes people just need to know who they're talking to. But his point was made that the Lord is not one to do and then take it back. The captain of our salvation is committed to a mission. He has a purpose. He has a calling. And he follows through. And he has brought many within his domain. He has led the way. He has accomplished what he had. And yet there are people who hear all of that and say, I'll find my own way. I'll do my own thing. 
I'm not interested in mercy. If I can't earn my salvation on my own, I don't want it. Don't listen to that counsel. Because you don't have enough to buy your own salvation. You're not smart enough to figure out a way to be saved on your own. You don't have enough friends to give a word for you. There's only one who can. There's only one who will save from sin. And that's this one. God's only begotten Son. The captain of our salvation. Now you might say, not me. I'm not taking orders from anybody. I'm doing my own thing. You might say that. We all did it one time. May the Lord touch your heart. May the Lord touch your mind. The Lord doesn't show His hand in an outward way. But the Lord does touch us. That's why the Scripture says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If Jesus is your captain, I think you're going to let folks know. It's going to show the way you talk. There's some words you might not be using much anymore. There's some thoughts, some places, some people that will be a lot more important to you and others not so important. Because this captain doesn't just affect the outside. He makes you a new creature. And we'd love it to hear that the Lord has done that very work in you. That's why we have a song at the end. So people can say something. I bet you have a song ready to sing. Let's do that.